Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. I would just love to welcome you both to the show. It is such a pleasure to have you here. And kind of to kick us off, I would love for you just to introduce yourselves to our listeners. Who are you? And give us a little bit of like your dating profile. What would it say? Give us a little bit of of information. (laughs) Wow. Um, is it so weird that I feel like I'm too old to have had a dating profile? Oh my gosh, seriously. <laughs> it was, well, we were both married by the time that even started. Before the interwebs, really. It's very true. Yes. Uh, yes. Before the, your AOL, coveted AOL address. Totally dating ourselves. <laughs> dating profiles. So um, obviously we're Heidi Ballard and Natalie Delaney of, at Buddy or Macros. And we are neighbors that live eight houses apart. And we are 40-year-old mothers and entrepreneurs and what else? Um, <laughs> raging ADHDers and yes. curious about all the things and sort of how all what started more as just like a um, getting in shape has turned into like a, a whole um, self-actualization healing journey for sure. Um, and it's been quite a ride. So I think dating profile, mine would probably say likes to lift heavy, likes to eat a lot of food, intrigued by your trauma, <laughs> loves Korean dramas, likes your pets. Um, I actually don't think I would have Beecher Mountains on mine. Does that sound like a very unfun dating profile? Maybe. Ah, That's okay. I mean, online shoppers welcome, right? Wonderful. (laughs) We'll run if being chased. Maybe that's about it. (laughs) Or if there's a sale at free people. Yeah, yeah, mine would probably be um, fitness convert. Um, Loves to also loves to lift heavy and, you know, both of us love to lift others and encourage others for sure. Um, we, I, I love my pets. Um, I'm a huge music lover. Um, and just always really, um, curious about my, since I kind of met it later in life, definitely curious about my inner world and helping others explore theirs as well. Mm. And probably the bottom line would be must love fries. Yeah. Right. Obviously. Seriously. <laughs> if someone doesn't love potatoes in all forms, there's something wrong with them. <laughs> I know. Say, yeah. And that might be literally, actually. Yes. I mean, if it, if it gave you problems, I guess I can understand it. But, you know, geez, I feel bad. Same thing with cheese. Yes. You can't go wrong with that comment. <laughs> I would love to hear more about, you kind of touched on, like, what got you here. Is there, like, an origin story that you can share with us in terms of, being converted to fitness and nutrition? Like, where did this all start? Um, well, I think if you like really like reduce it down, we like Heidi mentioned, we're both very much fitness converts. I think we had dabbled um, like most women do after, you know, high school, college age, where you realize that you probably should have some level of fitness. Uh, but at the same time, also realizing at a very early age, I think it was like the presidential fitness test or the 10 minute <laughs> mile in middle school that basically decided if you were an athlete or not. And if you didn't identify as that, or you didn't run, you know, an exceptional mile, I think it was easy to group yourself as in like, well, I'm just not an athlete, or I'm not a runner. 
But there was always like, I think, especially for women, this idea that if you were fit or you were active, you were a runner um, or you were thin and things like that. And so as somebody who was not either, I don't think that I um, felt like I could categorize myself in that group. So flash forward, Heidi, want to talk about like yeah, how you started? Because I mean, it kind of ties in. Not surprisingly, I mean, we are very yin and yang here. I definitely identify with a lot of what Nat said. I grew up in a family of athletes. Like everybody lettered in a varsity sport except for me. And there's seven kids in my family. So I always thought of it as like, you know, you're that type of person or you aren't, right? And um, so... It really wasn't until I, you know, I was closing in on 40 and feeling like uh, I hit some definitely some really difficult um, road bumps in my personal life. And it it felt like um, like, like I, I wanted to see what could happen. Right. So I kind of had this like this goal of I'm just going to I'm going to work out every, six days a week for like, and I kind of broke all of the rules that I had set before, like for myself before, like it could be any time of day, I could stop when I wanted 15 minutes minimum. Um, and our, and sometimes even, even though I know this is not a thing anymore, I would like, I would go till there was like 500 calories on my fitness watch or whatever. And it just became like a really cool first step in not only setting boundaries for me having like putting a portion of my day directed towards me, which I don't know that I'd ever really done before. Um, but yeah, just sort of like it became kind of a um, a really cool connection point for just sort of meeting myself and challenging myself to do new things. So that, that, and that whole thing, I was like, I will not pay attention to what I eat. I will work out, but I will not do that, that other kind of regulation. And then after a year, I was like, okay, what's missing? So um, then I started macros and Nat, and it started, I mean, I hate to say it, I was your classic, like, reconstituted peanut butter and rice cakes macro counter until Nat uh, joined me about a month later. And she just like blew that shit way out, like way out. Like, like, like we, you know, maybe it's your online shopping thing, but you can make you just can make anything work. Like it's, it's bananas. And before long, we were, we were eating bananas and french fries <laughs> on, like, on a, on macro counting and just really transform the whole experience, which, you know, butters was very much like a, you can, you can eat out, you can, um, you don't have to do it that, that in the box way. Right. So, and I credit a lot of that to Natalie's creativity for well, sure. It mostly also was just some having someone to, to do it with, I think as part of it, like, especially as women, like we, I think we hesitate to share what we're doing in the event that we fail. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, we also like to put it out there that like, oh, you know, like I know my flaws, like you don't have to like tell me them too. So, you know, I had just finished having my fifth baby. I was at the height of um, the heaviest I'd ever been. And I was really going to go back to either Weight Watchers for the 700th time or do my fitness pal at 1200 calories. Cause that's what they give you. If yeah. you say that you want to lose two pounds a week. Um, and, but Heidi was starting to count macros and I was like, oh, and, and at the time we, um, because we're neighbors, we were sharing dinners. We were cooking, um, two to three times a week for both of our families, because that's what good mothers do <laughs> make home cook meals for their family. So when she was doing that, I was like, can you eat this? Like, I don't even know what's this thing you're on. I had never heard of macros before. And she's like, oh no, it's fine. I'll totally figure out. I can basically like have whatever I'd seen to like a little bit plan a little bit ahead. So I'm like, well, if you're doing something like that, like, and we're cooking, I don't want to cook and then have you not be able to eat it because that's a bummer. So I was like, I'll just do whatever you're doing with you. So that's kind of how we started counting macros. As far as like our page goes, we, we just love to eat out. Yeah. That's just how it is. We love restaurants and fast mm -hmm. food and 
I think we also love a two for one. And we kind of figured if we're figuring this out, we might as well share it because we were frustrated that a lot of this information just wasn't wasn't easily accessible. I mean, going blind over the teeny tiny like nutrition breakdown of restaurants and like just thought, you know, if we're doing it and it was Nat's idea to start the Instagram, I was like, had a mile long list of disclaimers. Like, we're not going to pretend we're coaches and we're not going to do this. And, it, and I don't want to put my faith on it. Really share it at all. It was literally just a way for us. We had was born in a Wendy's drive through. We were in the drive through and we're like, what should we get? And we were like opening up my fitness pal and trying to figure out what was macro friendly. And I was like, this is so annoying. Can you imagine us doing this every single time we're in a drive through? And we're like, we should just put the information on an Instagram page. So then like we have a resource, yeah. not under any idea that we would actually grow it or share it or do anything. With or it. we completely transform our lives and everything we knew. Wow. <laughs> we didn't know that either. <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. We actually, if you scroll the very bottom, it's mostly restaurants and eating out tips because that is what we had to do in order to hit our goals, but also enjoy our lives because we did. We had a period of time where we sacrificed a lot of our families faith in us by making everything high protein. Yes. <laughs> high protein, sugar cookies, and high protein, everything. Like yeah. there were some trust issues for a while, but as we evolve, right. But that's kind of really what we're all about is helping women realize that there's so much more past that just the, the dieting part of it. Right. Yeah. Right. So yes. now your family knows you will not be sneaking protein powder into their Christmas cookies this year. No. <laughs> Although with like two, two uh, teenage boys, I think they kind of wish we would now, ironically. Really? Well, <laughs> do you have to put creatine in that? <laughs> You've never made creatine frosting. I bet you it would work. I know. We warned you. We got a lot to say. Sorry. I love it. I love it. And I, am I correct in understanding that the dynamic duo that has become this amazing educational Instagram page started because you guys were neighbors like where when did the friendship originate because you just lived close by oh well we have like an even bigger backstory than the backstory i mean we actually just figured out recently that it goes back to our dads were in high school together and we did not know that at all yeah in a totally different place it's crazy talk about a fate arc yeah as far as far as like as far as like from like a very you know basic level i grew up with heidi's husband uh here in this neighborhood and loved her mother-in-law so much and our husbands actually you know flash forward ended up working for the same company and we would see each other at christmas parties and just would spend all night just like enjoying each other's company but we would really only see each other once a year because they lived in the valley and I, we were here in orange county and then um they ended up we ended up actually buying a house uh nine houses down from their childhood her husband's childhood home which is next door to this current house we're sitting in right now podcasting out of and they purchased this house next door to his childhood home. And so we became neighbors about, I mean, we, we had known each other peripherally for a really long time, but we were neighbors about like seven years ago now. I think so. Yeah. So do you do everything together? Like cook meals together? Do you work out together when time allows? Uh, we go to the gym Every, every time we go to the gym, we go together. And if we're not going to the gym, we're walking on our neighborhood trail. We used to grocery shop all the time together, but now we just do combined Walmart orders or Costco or, runs because we were like that extra $10 to not go out and do it. Yes. I do. Well, we've gotten really busy with other things for sure, yes. but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty convenient when you, we live so close to each other. Cause it's just like, you know, whether it's running kids here or there or our similar type errands, like, yeah, we see each other. We see each other a fair amount. Somehow it's still not enough. Like, and there's still, I mean, there's some days we see each other zero and some days we see each other like five times. Yeah. So it's just, it is a very seamless, like 
existence. Like, I don't think that there's really like our lives are just so enmeshed that there's not really a way to like, so the answer is yes. All <laughs> <laughs> is to say. It's incredible to have like an accountability partner and a friend like all wrapped up into one. Because I think, I don't know, we've talked about this before, but I find my husband's a personal trainer. Bless him. He's amazing. But sometimes spouses just don't make the best accountability partner. Oh, oh totally. Accountability yeah. Partners. Let's be honest. <laughs> Great that you guys have each other. Yeah. It works, out, it works out really well for sure. Yeah. Well, Heidi and Natalie, I would love to get your thoughts on fat loss. So we've been talking around macronutrients and on the interwebs, there's, you know, the great debate between like, is fat loss evil? We should never have it as a goal, or is it this great health promoting thing? And I have a feeling I know where you're going to land, but I would love to hear you speak to that <laughs> question. Well, you know, it, that has our, and our philosophy on that, I think has evolved also, um, when we started out, we were just like so amazed it worked, right? Like, again, as two people kind of always saw themselves on as misfits or on the outside, it was like, oh my gosh, like anyone can be an athlete. And like you do, you know, you figure these things out and you can actually create these kinds of results for ourselves. Um, and that was awesome. Uh, but also realizing that you can, you know, losing, losing fat is not the secret to confidence that we thought it was. Right. That like you can, if you're driven, if you're the, what is fueling you is that you are not good enough as is, you will find when you get to that goal that that finish line is just extended. Now it's, now it's, you know, loose skin or it's not enough fat or it's cellulite or it's wrinkles or it's, you know, some that finish line just gets pushed further and further away. Um, and it really, it's been quite an evolution to realize how important your relationship with your body is. Um, everything from processing negative emotions to um, healing childhood traumas to all kinds of things. And your body is just like such a pivotal part of who you are. And that like fitness and taking care of yourself is not just for aesthetics, right? Like that's, that's one very small piece of it. I definitely think uh, we all agree that fat loss is not a, uh, um, a vain goal at all. I think, I mean, there are layers of like you wanting to look better if that's how you want to characterize vain, but I don't think that it's a, it's not an unfair goal to have is what I want to say. There. So is it, is it inherently bad? No, I don't actually believe it's inherently mm -hmm. bad. Now you mentioned health promoting. I think that's really where we get in the weeds, right? Cause what does health mean to people it means a whole lot of different things. Cause we have seen women who have pursued fat loss and it's an incredibly unhealthy experience for them. We've also seen it the other way where it's been an incredibly healthy experience for them. And a lot of that comes down to, I think in our minds, literally that, like what is going on in your head when, when it comes to what's healthy for you, right? The perspective of what's healthy, it has evolved. I think if you asked us every year for the last, you know, seven years that we've been coaching, we'll have a different idea about like the why behind fat loss and what we think about it, what we feel about it. I think really what it comes down to is why do you do it? A lot of times, um, and we've said before, you know, when people, I think we switched from fat to fluffy, right? Because fluffy seemed a little bit kinder. less and offensive and kinder. Yeah. But, you know, Heidi once said that the, you know, fluffiness you feel calls up the unworthiness you thought that weight loss would fix. And I think that really comes to the core of it, whether it is, you know, somebody who is has health markers and health issues and things like that and like needs to lose weight for those medical reasons and health reasons. Or you have the woman who wants another two to three pounds um, and is still already incredibly lean. I think a lot of it comes down to like you don't feel like you're OK as is. 
right? And that unworthiness piece can have a lot of notes, like she was mentioning, like traumas and past history, or even, you know, your mother's judgment, your aunt's judgment, or the boy in fourth grade who told you that your thighs were fat. Yeah, for society and society, magazine exactly. I mean, there's such, there's so many layers, I think, um, as far as like, is fat loss good or not? beneficial or not it it's so different per person and per individual for me it was the first time that I actually asked myself what I wanted and actually put myself first I think uh, Heidi and I are definitely recovering people pleasers as a lot of women are and a lot of our worth is tied in how much we do and how much we achieve for everybody else (laughs) Um, and rarely do you stop to think about us but the it was probably the first time we put ourselves first we opted to choose, you know, these types of workouts and the, the, the morning hours that we go in for us. And so there's a lot of power and confidence that comes in making choices for yourself for the first time outside of like, I'm worried about what other people think of me. So I better lose weight or I better lose weight because my mom always tells me how fat I am or my husband or my best friend is always on a diet. So I feel like I have to, because if I don't, then she's going to be like, well, what's wrong with her? And we have to stop thinking that fat loss equals bettering yourself. I think people think that, oh, if I lose weight, then I'm bettering myself. So there's a million other ways to better yourself that have nothing to do with weight loss. But as a society, we judge whether people are successful or not by how much weight they've gained or Mm -hmm. lost, right? If we, especially like this time of year, you go see somebody, if if you've lost weight, they're automatically like, oh, her life's going good. Mm -hmm. Not, and then you've heard it on Instagram plenty of times, like, but what if they're going through a traumatic divorce or they've lost a child or they're sick and unhealthy? You know, I think of Chadwick Boseman from, you know, Black Panther. Black Panther and he was super sick and everyone just thought he was like a drug addict or something. And he's like, no, actually dying of cancer. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about health promoting. I think it just looks differently for everybody. And so we need to also stop using it as a metric to judge how someone's life is going, which I think society makes us do that, which is really unfair to everybody. And therefore, once again, kind of ties into the whole unworthiness as is. Totally. It's a, it's a really, um, there's a lot of opportunities to meet yourself in, in the process, I think. Yeah. And I think it just, even what you just described, it comes back to like intrinsic motivation. Like, why do I want this? Is it to please somebody else? Or is it, you know, um, internally driven because I want to invest this time and this energy into myself because I'm going to feel better. And it is going to be for me, something that benefits me maybe mentally as well as physically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Heidi, I think you had a reel on your Instagram page (laughs) and you were talking about, you were kind of um, playing devil's advocate to this claim that I've heard touted on Instagram before. And that's just, you know, if you want it badly enough, it just boils down to hard work. So if you're not successfully losing body fat, you you might not be trying hard enough. And you kind of like talk back to that, which I think is a necessary conversation to have. I would love just to hear you touch on that a little bit, because as we know, there's so much nuance to fat loss. It's not the same for everyone. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you shared in that reel? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I uh, was a, was in a ranty mood that day for sure. Um, uh, you know, the, so my point in that reel was that it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, like you said, that speak to fat loss, genetic potential being, being one of them, right? Like we, we, I don't know, it's maybe some byproduct of being American where you think like everything is possible for everybody. Right. But it's like this, um, the, the lean and toned look that happens to be popular right now is it, that's a, that's a lot of that is genetically determined. And so to, it's just, we've, we have, this gets me a little, um, 
emotional, but we have coached so many women who hold themselves to a standard that they don't even know is literally impossible. Um, and, and even if it was possible, it's also literally impossible to maintain all the time, you know, three, 24, seven, 365, um, particularly the women in the, in the demographic that we coach who are typically mothers, um, in their, you know, have a lot of different things on their plates. Um, and they're holding themselves like, to a like professional athlete aesthetic and standard, right. Which is just not, not fair. And, um, just the way that women, uh, are, they can be, they just, we've all been taught to be merciless with ourselves about our, um, decision-making and, and what we, what we look at will look like, just like the inverse of what Nat was saying. Like, you know, if, um, you know, you look at somebody who, you know, has lost weight or is whatever in that, in that aesthetic position. And we think they're the, they're the ultimate example. They've got everything going on. Right. And so that if you're not that, then you are, you're, I mean, they're the unworthiness is there for all to see. And it's just so unfair the way that, um, the way that fat people are treated and the, that even, even that, even normalizing that phrase, right? Like, like we're not supposed to say fat, right? I have fat. Everybody has, has body fat, right? But like the, the way that people are treated, women, especially in this society is just, it's a recipe for mental illness. And I'm just, I think I've just had it. I've just had it. And I, and I say that as somebody who arguably has that genetic potential, right? I mean, always feel like I, I feel like I, I need your permission sometimes to go here now, but it's like the way, the way that, um, Nat and I have been compared, like we've done over a thousand of the same workouts, um, that number's higher now. (laughs) And it's like, uh, you know, I have the, the way that Nat has been vulnerable about the parts of her body that do and don't change and the assumptions that people make about our work ethic, um, even, even including her, assuming that like I was so much stronger than her or worked so much harder than her because I have an upper body that can get a little, can get more jacked looking when it's like, she's actually stronger than me. And I think I'll only have you on back squat. And even then it's like, and her work ethic is insane. Her step count is insane. And then, and yet like that, that is not what people see or care about. They just want the aesthetics. And then they assign like almost this like holiness to those people. And it's just not, um, it's not fair. We're just at a place where we just want everyone, every woman to feel valued and, and accepted and supported by herself and by society at large. And, uh, you know, treating, like I said before, like, like assuming that, that fitness or doing any of the, you know, nutrition and exercise are not just for aesthetics. It's an incredibly important part of your emotional well-being, And, um, and to compromise that by like, by putting a specific result on it or, or assuming that, that anybody that isn't that is on some sort of um, uh, slovenly, you know, some sort of like laziness spectrum, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I mean, it's so different. We see it obviously in our culture, which is like so toxic in so many ways, but like, I think even just the phrase, like you have to work harder. It's like, what does that even mean? 
you know, you have some women who are, you know, single moms, like they have three jobs just so that they can like pay their bills and feed their family. You tell me that she's not working hard enough, or but, right? It's just like, yeah. it's like ridiculous to me. And it's so unfair. But then someone might be like, well, you know, if she would have just did it, like it's like what stupid Kim Kardashian had said about like girls, like you're just not working hard enough or you could have all this. Like, I mean, we don't, most of us don't walk into an empire, right? Well, or, totally. or have like a really successful sex tape where we can make billions of dollars and then start our own businesses, right? It's just, it's a little unfair. And it's the same thing with with fitness and aesthetics like you know Heidi mentioned in that reel was that like you know it's for people who say like it's not it's not genetics it's hard work it's like well you also have to give credit to your genetics because your genetics control basically every single thing about your weight loss fat loss um, hormones your aesthetic results even regardless of the work right like you know Heidi and I because we are very yin and yang it's like we together we decided we have the perfect body (laughs) right that women would want right like if you cut like my lower half her upper half it's like forget it totally right but alas like this is not really what we're here for I don't I think we miss that point like our whole job in life isn't to walk around looking aesthetically pleasing for everybody else right it's it's so much more than that and I think you know, for women to, to minimize their efforts, it's like whatever your best effort is, it's like, that's why I think we love weightlifting so much is like, because you do have like reps in reserve or like, you know, maxing out things like that, or, you know, going to failure. It's like hard is hard for different people. The three of us could go lift and we would all max out at different weights. It doesn't mean that either of two of us didn't work as hard as the one person who lifted the most. It all has to do with like the perception of it all. And so we do, we see women who work extremely hard for weight loss and do not get the returns. That's some women who have to think about weight loss and then they get. And a lot of that has nothing to do with like how hard they worked or how hard they didn't work. And it's unfair that we have this belief that, well, I just must not, it reduces down to, I'm just not good enough. Totally. And, and the, 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 the wounds that women carry in this in in this area are just so significant. I mean, we, it's not uncommon it's uncommon for us to hear stories of women who were put on a diet when they were 12 years old. Or I have one client who was telling me she would run around in her basement and then weigh herself after to see if her weight changed at nine years old. Nine years old. And so it's like this is this is the idea that we're all starting from an equal playing field, whether that be genetically or diet history wise. I mean, it, there's just so many factors and, and all of that matters, right? As you know, like being, being um spending so much of your life in calorie restriction has a very real effect on your metabolism and what, um, and what kind of results you're going to Exactly. It's, it's like the expression, everybody has the same 24 hours in the day when there's so much nuance behind like, well, what are your, like your obligations and what is your, you know, financial situation look like? And it's just, it's a completely unfair statement. Yes. I know where that was it like, you have the same 24 hours that Beyonce has like, no, I'm pretty sure we have very different 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah, give me her team for a day, and I'll say. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try see. It. Yeah, I mean, would that be the best reality show? We should totally pitch that. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, give me actually even like Kim Kardashian's 24 hours, dude. Seriously. So to follow up on that, I I'm thinking like the women that I have the the privilege of working with, they are trying their best. Right. And many of them, like the women that you work with are working moms and they're taking care of aging parents and they have a ton on their plate. How can we not 
or how can we resist the urge to compare with the people that we see who probably have completely different circumstances online and are showing off their workouts, you know, in their matching set or whatever, knowing that my best is enough and then resisting the urge to compare when I see someone else doing what perceivably looks like more or better. How can I, how can I work on that? Because I think that's just such a common struggle. It's like, well, I know I'm doing everything that I can, but then I'm second guessing myself because, well, she's doing more or what she's doing looks different. So that must mean I'm wrong. Right. Totally. Well, I mean, as if, (laughs) if only that's how it worked, if only like, um, you know, being, having that sort of logic or that like rational thinking had any effect on our emotions, right? So we all know like you shouldn't go on Instagram and compare, but when you're, you know, you're scrolling and then you may not realize what is being drummed up in you emotionally. And then we put the phone down and then we just move on with our day and take those feelings with us. You know, another common trigger for women is like, is seeing, seeing their bodies in the mirror or weighing in the morning or whatever. And instead of acknowledging like what's going on with you emotionally, you just, you just put it on the shelf or suppress it and then carry those emotions with you through the day. And then when when you are just, you know, the straw breaks the camel's back and you're at the pantry shoveling chocolate chocolate chips in, you're like, why am I the worst? It's like, well, because if you backtrack, you started your whole day in a shame spiral. So everything was just not good enough and then not good enough. And then every, all the evidence of like your, yeah, of, of all of your mistakes and your flaws and why you can't be successful seems to be staring you right in the face, right? Whereas if we, the more we pay attention to our internal experience and our emotions and, and how these different scrolling on Instagram or whatever, not that, I mean, Instagram's neutral, just like all these other things, right? But we have to pay attention to how these things affect us. One day you may get on there and be fine, right? But another day you may, you, yeah, you may not even consciously realize what you're thinking, but I guarantee you that feeling of feeling just sort of defeated or ashamed or heavy or angry or whatever. And that is going to inform, I mean, that's going to color your lens until you know, until there's a reckoning. I mean, environmentally, like, and like, you know, even from like an evolutionary standpoint, we are designed to compare, right? It was how we assess danger, right? Like, how do I feel versus here? Like, what is that showing me? What is that showing me? Like, we're all, you know, we're very cerebral people, right? And so what's interesting about where we are with social media now is that ever we, people just offer up whatever they want to, to you, right? It's like you, and whether you decide to consume it or not, it really is, is really up to the, up to the user. And that's like, I think if you find yourself like comparing yourself more than not, those people aren't healthy for you. I think that there's, you know, we've had to purge our feed every now and again or mute and unfollow sometimes. And even though like we like, like the person or generally like what they represent, like if, if they're not supporting good feelings um, in our physical person, like you can actually feel it happening in your body, your a physical sensation, just like danger would feel to you or stress or anxiety would feel these comparison feelings will you will physically feel them. It's not just a thought like, oh gosh, like she's so much prettier than me. You will literally feel it in your body. And I think that that's a great way to have your own back and be like, this person doesn't make me feel good Mm -hmm. and take action that way. Right. Because this whole process, especially fat loss and like weightlifting and everything is all a process. It's all a way to have your own back. Right. Because when we show up for ourselves, that's how you build confidence, right? Asking, what do I need? Does this person make Natalie feel good? Does make this person make Natalie feel like she's less than? Like, do I really need this person in my feed? You have complete control over it. Like, nobody is 
necessarily controlling your feed, but you are allowing the content that you get. You know, there are definitely people that we follow that we're like, yeah, could do without that. And then so we remove them. It's, it's no different than, you know, anything else in your life that you're like, I think I'm good, right? And, and moving on. And another one that we've definitely see a lot, and I'm sure you do as well with your clients is the people who compare past and future versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. That is, I feel, an, an almost equally toxic um, yeah. variation of, as someone else. It's like, oh, well, she used to do this, or I used to do this, or I used to be this, or I, what I had this, or da, 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 da. And it's like, it's like that really helpful, right? Does it feel good to you to think about, you know, especially when people's pictures, you know, bless Google. Love <laughs> I know the year ones are coming for us. Yeah, right? right? It's like, like, look at your memories from blah, 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 blah. And, and we do, we have women who are like, oh, picture popped up of me and, oh, you still look so good. Mm-hmm. But you didn't think so then, right? You know, well, you- it, totally. And this, like this, what, what Nat's talking about this, like this mindfulness of being in the present moment where you're not comparing past or future. You're not, you're not up in a, in a mental drama, but you're actually like grounded in the present moment is such an important skill to develop. And it's not intuitive for really most of us, I would guess. So when you are like Nat was saying, when you feel something you like, even just developing the skill of caring how you feel is probably a really big step for most women. And this is all part of the mind body connection of like getting the results. You want to know how to get to your goals and, and actually enjoy it, actually feel like you've accomplished something instead of it being not enough. It's going to be a daily practice of checking in with yourself, noticing how you feel, naming it. Like I'm, you know, you notice like, Oh, I feel like, so blah after Instagram. Okay. What's the name? Like name it. What is the emotion that you're experiencing? I am feeling ashamed. Um, I am feeling ashamed because I look on Instagram and it seems like everybody's got it figured out, but me, it makes sense that I feel shame because I'm thinking this because the social media is notorious for this, right? Like, like logically, I know this now that I, now that I've named and I'm validating myself, how can I soothe myself? What do I need right now? Like reassuring yourself, like, Hey, it's one day at a time, babe, you're going to get there. Like you're doing okay. Um, you know, even if you have to do the basic, like, you know, like people love me, like I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm an okay person. I'm worthy of love. Like, you know, some of these mantras that sound so, um, you know, basic are, can be really life-changing when you implement them at the right time. And I think we need to also autocorrect for the fact that we be- we grew up believing that we needed to haze ourselves into being motivated. Like, I mean, you know, it's trauma. Up, yeah, yeah, <laughs> trauma. Yeah, growing up with like putting somebody on your refrigerator. So it makes you not want to open the fridge or, you know, putting it on your phone, like don't eat this, like, or like calling yourself names. Like, you know, your toxic thoughts are actually not motivational. Your toxic thoughts are trauma. <laughs> I love that you brought that up because that just really illustrates the parallel between the fuel that we're talking about, the fuel of like encouragement, love, self-acceptance, and the fuel of like, you're a POS and you're not working hard enough and get after it. You know, like there's a huge difference in how you, the relationship you develop with yourself, depending on which side of that you're on. It's like the nothing tastes as good as skinny feels era. Oh, <laughs> have you had cheese fries? <laughs> and and we all have lived through that, right? And yeah. like and those stories and though and that narrative is like resonates in our ears whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So it's really, and we're talking about social media and a lot of these examples, but what you just described, Heidi, you can do the same exact thing if you are looking in the mirror and have like a negative critical thought, or you see a photo that someone took of you at a holiday event and your initial gut reaction is like, like I'm gross. You can do the same exact thing in all of those situations. Well, it speaks to like what, you know, Obviously, you do this kind of work with your clients. If those kinds of those kinds of scenes are right at the tip of your tongue, right? Like those are such big triggers for women and being how you show up for yourself in the face of those um, really negative belief provoking incidents will determine the relationship that you have with yourself. If you wouldn't, if you wouldn't, if you would say to your daughter, sister, friend, and I guess we're including mother now, yes. if you wouldn't say to, you know, if one of them gets, oh, this horrible picture, I feel like I feel disgusting. I've lost, you know, what I'm doing isn't yielding anything. I'm just a mess, whatever, however you would tell yourself that story. If you wouldn't want your best friend, your daughter, your sister, your mother to feel that way, then, then why are you putting that on yourself? That, that, that's a, that's a painful story. We want to re, we want to reframe. We want to, and again, like a lot of that work, it's not solving the story in your mind. It's paying attention to how you feel, bringing yourself to the present moment and being kind. Mm. I love that. So there's not really a, like for someone like myself, type A, firstborn, I want to identify the problem and then immediately like have a solution. I want you to tell me what to do to fix it. And you're saying, no, no, that's not exactly how this process works. Like we really just need to hold space for what we're feeling instead of shoving it back into our bag of trauma that we can pull out in a later pain shopping moment when we just want to make ourselves feel really terrible. Exactly. And the the inclination, the ego is strong. The inclination is to stay in that story in your mind to be like, where did it go wrong? How can I fix it? And if I don't, it's going to continue on infinitely into the future and I'll never feel better. When in reality, getting out of that story in your mind, connecting with your body is actually like trying to find the feeling in your body, describing it, identifying a color, like, and getting out of the narrative in your mind is really how you ground in the present moment and how you really do feel better. And ironically, it's not the finding the it's not finding the flaw or the big answer to why you suck. That's not it. It's actually showing yourself that you can have you can be overwhelmed with negative emotion and support yourself through it. That's confidence. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot for a second because we're heading into holidays and for a lot of people that brings lots of events and some of that like dieting trauma and the influences in our lives that may or may not be the most uh, uplifting or healthy when it comes to, you know, what's on our plate or the weight that we're carrying. When we can't just unfollow or mute someone in real life, do you have any like internal dialogue or like a mantra that you guys keep in your back pocket for when someone is making you feel really terrible or makes an inappropriate comment maybe about what you're eating or what you're not eating or how you look differently compared to last year? So I think that really whenever anybody makes any kind of comments, like one thing to tell yourself is like, it really is more to do with them than it has to do with me. We're usually a reflection piece for people and their own personal insecurities, right? Like if someone's like, oh, why are you eating that? Like, oh, that has so many carbs in it. It's like, well, that's your belief about carbs, right? Like their, their belief about carbs, not necessarily my belief about my carbs. Obviously I have no problem with it or it wouldn't be on my plate. <laughs> and so I think sometimes thinking, thinking through the fact that like, they don't really know any better or they're trying to be helpful or they're doing the best they can, or their comments are a reflection of how they feel really tends to neutralize the situation. Um, You know, we all have 
well-meaning, loving relatives that want to give you some kind of feedback. And I think sometimes it has to do with the fact that they don't really know what else to say. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's sort of like, oh, look how kids are, how big your kids gotten, or like, look how, or look how pretty your dress is, or, you know, we go for whatever we can see first, right? And, and that's actually a negative thing, but it's like, it doesn't, seeing that the fact that they really, they probably, if they, if they really knew what your, their comment meant to you, they probably would feel really bad about what they said. That being said, um, it's really incredible when you practice having your own back, right? Uh, one of the best phrases like Heidi ever taught me was when someone says something, you say, ouch, that hurts, <laughs> right? And it, it was it, my first therapy like yeah, realization. It doesn't give you pause. So a couple of things that we like to you know encourage our clients to do, let's just say, you know, Aunt Thelma, I don't know where Thelma is. <laughs> oh we put on a little weight haven't we and you know i know you just you could just be like i'm sorry what did you say (laughs) and make her repeat it right and it's like oh well that actually hurts my feelings that you would actually comment on my weight um but here we are you know um and then you can move on from it and if you don't feel like you can you can literally just be like oh well I mean, you don't really actually have to give them like, oh, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like acknowledge or, or just be like, yeah, you're right. I totally have. I've let myself go. Like we don't need to give into their story that they're creating for you, but you can also show it in your displeasure, right? Mm-hmm. Like would love for one time for you just to not comment on it, you know? And and these things they do, you'll feel warm, you'll feel embarrassed, you'll feel hot, you'll feel shameful. But the more you practice having your own back, Every single time you stand up for yourself, you stand up for those those that internal child that just needed somebody to have their back, right? Like you're supporting yourself through negative emotion, which is what Heidi's always talking about. It's not always about feeling good all the time. I think that's something that um, we had to learn the hard way is that a lot of times the, the, the yuckiest feelings actually give you the most freedom if you're willing to just kind of sit in it, right? And so- Well, and that 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 is really is so powerful. It's really, it really is true. I mean- we, we, we know that if you, um, the way emotions work, if you have a tolerance for negative, the more tolerance you have for negative emotion, the more you can support yourself in it, the more you can experience positive emotions. Because if you, if you mute one, you mute the other, right? So, um, we, you know, Brene Brown talks about it. You, you can't selectively numb, right? So, I think what your question is such a good one. And Natalie's answer, like both, both re- reflect a meta skill of thinking through the situation beforehand. Um, and we all have, we all have roles that we play in different situations and in families dynamics. Right. And it's um, like, it's, I, I said this before, but I noticed when I walk into like my childhood home, I'm like a little bit brattier, a little more defensive. Like I tend to leave like cups of water everywhere, like half drunk sodas and stuff. I just revert a little bit like back to my childhood patterns. Um, and so kind of taking an inventory of yourself of like, of how, how do you feel like, you know, what are the emotions you struggle with in these situations, right? How do those emotions feel? How do you typically react to those emotions? Um, and, and, how can you better support yourself? Right. Like that can be, um, that can, that can look any number of ways. I mean, my first go-to is just go to the bathroom. <laughs> if you're overwhelmed, you know what I mean? Like get a little space, um, step outside, um, make sure that you're, make sure that you're still taking care of yourself. 
regardless of whether you're traveling or not, um, making sure you're getting enough sleep. Um, and like, you know, if you have, um, you know, there's, there's grounding exercises that again, take you out of that narrative in your head and can help ground you in the present moment. It can be through your physical senses. What am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? Like it can be also, um, like (laughs) when I do a lot is like name as many dog breeds as you can. Just to kind of, just to, to, to get you out of the like narrative in your head. Right. So, um, being, being kind of aware of what you're going to be met with and then making sure you have, you're keeping up on your self care and do some. I would encourage if you're walking into a situ, a family situation that is typically more fraught, I would definitely connect with yourself before you go in, ground yourself, um, and, Pay attention to that stress thermometer, right? If you're once we get to like eight, nine, ten, you're you are going to be reacting to your negative emotions, right? We want to stay, if we could stay, you know, even two, three, four, that would be ideal, right? But the closer you get to your 10, the more your um, the more your the centers of your brain that <laughs> help you stay regulated and logical um, are going to start shutting down and you're going to become more reactive and tend to create more of the negative emotions that you're trying to avoid. So rather than avoiding emotions, we want to acknowledge where we're at, prepare, um, and then support ourselves through it. So, um, you know, like Nat's example, it's like, and Thelma, like, gosh, that makes me feel so, uh, that makes me feel afraid and ashamed even to be around you, honestly. Like, I feel like you're just, you know, I, I, I'm here because I want to connect with you, not be like criticized, you know, and I, that might be too bold to go for, but like, if you can even acknowledge that's what happen- is happening with you internally, you know, that, that can definitely, um, help get you to get, get you through the end. But yeah, it's, it's, Meanwhile, your critic, your inner critics can be going crazy being like, why are you so overreactive? Why are you so sensitive? It doesn't matter if you're, if, you know, like we said at the beginning, logic and emotions, those two don't go hand in hand. And for a lot of us who have not processed emotion for most of our lives, yeah, that one triggering um, look, comment, whatever it is, is bringing back a lifetime of pain, a lifetime of um, insecurity and self-doubt that that can feel really overwhelming and crushing. So these these take care. If there's one takeaway, I could I, I could just wave a magic wand and and give this gift to women everywhere, myself included. It's care, care enough about yourself to even notice how you feel. Mm. And it might not even be directly to you, right? You might have some, you know, your sister show up and everyone's like, oh my gosh, isn't she looks so good? Like she totally does, you know, whatever, whatever. And that can bring up your own personal feelings of shames and shifts, things like that. So I think just being aware of like, hey, you know, yeah, I do feel a little bit like, you know, like, you know, when people like, you know, compliment Susie or whatever. (laughs) I I love it though. (laughs) you know, Susie, or it makes me feel a little bit insecure about my accomplishments or the things that I'm doing, but what Susie's doing has nothing to do with me. Yep. I'm a good person, a good person and I'm worthy and deserving of love. And I'm going to show up, you know, one of the bravest things people will do is show up as is this holiday season. Um, You know, instead of having to like, you know, lose 15 pounds before Christmas or 20 pounds before Christmas. And and if you actually say it out loud to yourself, like, I really want to lose 15 pounds before Christmas so I can escape the judgments of my family members. It's like, 
first of all, you're not going to be able to do that no matter how much weight you lose. They're going to do it no matter what. If that's not your weight, it's going to be something else, right? If those are the type of people that you have in your family, right? But I think also with that comes the opportunity to model love and acceptance as yourself. So like coming in with your own energy, knowing if it is a heightened situation and, and showing up the way that you would want to be treated. I mean, it's such, such, such a Bambi like, you know, motto, but it is true. Like if you come in and there's, and you know, you're going to see Aunt Thelma and she's going to be like, Aunt Thelma, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so excited to be here with you. It'll be really hard for her to say something horrible to you. Like really. And if she still does, then it's really just about Aunt Thelma. Right. And we have those people in our life who are like, they're going to be crappy to me no matter what. Oh, well, like, yeah. you know, right. We can't up. mute them, but we can maybe put zero weight on the comments that they might mention and the judgments that they might pass. You know, it's it's something that says more about them than it does about us, but we don't have to internalize any of it and just honor how we're feeling. And also watching what we say too, right? So if we true. walk around thinking like, oh, she's getting some weight, that's really more about us than it is about them, right? Yeah. So also watching our thought processes, we have really weird rules in our head. Like, they know it's a lot to say anything to me, but then I'm allowed to think all these things about other people. It's like, no, it's, it's got to be neutral, right? If you don't, if it's... It's all that golden rule thing, right? So it's also about watching like, ooh, I went there. Don't want to think that. I want to think really good thoughts about this person. I don't want my, the first thought that comes in my head, think about like, am I worried about if my sister's going to come and she's going to look better than me, right? Mm, she's, so, you know, it's so like good point. watching watching where you automatically go, that is a practice thought pattern, right? And they are completely available to us to break, but it's more about being like, hold on, catching yourself and being like, that was pretty crappy of you. And then- reframing with a new one. Totally. It's like how, you know, people that lie a lot, lie a lot tend to not believe other people, right? <laughs> Similarly, if you're, if, if you are, if you make a lot of judgments yourself, you're going to be more afraid of other people's judgments, right? So just, um, there's no amount of action that can make you feel safe and connected to yourself and other people, right? That's a, that's about you regulating and acknowledging your own emotions. And then you will be, I mean, if that, if, if Aunt Thelma's gonna, if Aunt Thelma is willing to say those kinds of things out loud, her internal dialogue has got to be horrific because the the rub of the better than, worse than judgment thing is that you know you might feel if you if you like to feel better than you're gonna have to feel worse than at some point. That's just how the pendulum swing goes. So I think one of those, like we were just talking about, the internal dialogue that a lot of us struggle with because it's conditioned is my weight dictates my worth, whether we're talking about like somebody else that we're seeing and we have that, you know, little subconscious thought, or we feel that way about us. Like, Oh, I'm showing up 15 pounds heavier this year. Like I'm so worthless. How can we start to, because this could be its own podcast episode, <laughs> such a big topic. How can we start to like separate the two worth and our body weight? Man, that's the, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like a heavy question to end with, right? Well, no, I mean, it, but it's a, but it's such a good one though, right? Because, because in the attempt to answer, answer, come up all of the wounds and the obstacles, right? Like what is between you and how you want to feel about yourself, right? The, those, um, cause once you can get clear on those, then we can, then we can start to address the, and the healing. This is, this is the reality of it. Like that inner critic that we talk about. That inner critic is defending it like a wounded animal is defending is defending its wounded self, right? In in the only ways that it knows how the the um 
when you're hazing yourself with negative thoughts to try to motivate yourself, that's again, that's covering that wound of like, of not feeling good enough. So what, so what is, what's that all about? Right. Like when does, when does that come up? Um, and, and once, once we can identify the experiences, the thoughts, the beliefs, the emotions that you're, that you, that you struggle with, then you can start to build a skill set, um, about how to support that. And, and as women, we are, I feel like we are natural, um, nurturers. And I think as humans, we have an instinct towards healing. So it's, it's a, some of this work is just a lot easier to do with someone else because, because of the maze of the inner critic, right? But once we can understand why, you know, what is between you and how you want to feel about yourself, that's where the healing can begin. Mm. And you just have to be willing to unpack it. It's good. It's never a pretty, pretty, <laughs> it's not an unboxing like on a YouTube video. Right? Yeah. It's, it's it's usually pretty layered and it's and it feels pretty crummy. But honestly, the the way to feel good about yourself, regardless of how much you weigh, you know, it, you know, we say a lot, like, you know, a lot of you don't have to gain 20 pounds to, to love yourself, but how many of you do and realize that you don't. And it really comes down to that. Like, what's the difference? Are you really that different from, you know, 20 pounds heavier? No, not really. But your thoughts and what you, and how you speak to yourself and the things you believe about yourself do change. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the scale is such a amazing tool for people to really show them what they, what they, how they feel about themselves, right? If, if they are looking to the scale to tell them whether they feel worthy or not, they can be happy or not, if they can belong or not, that's not what that metric means. And so, you know, we, we talk about, we, we call it what the fluff, right? It's like when those feelings of, you know, unworthiness or, or not feeling your best come up, what is it bringing up for you? Like, what are, what are the shamey things and the shamey thoughts that you feel? Is it like, I feel like my husband will love me less if I gain weight. So where does that thought come from? You know, if you, and if you dig deep enough and you're open to unboxing it, you'll see that it probably started when you were a little kid, right? And you felt like a lot of your worth was hinged on being cute all the time, right? You know, we have a client that she was the pretty one and her sister was a smart one. So her whole identity is wrapped around how she looks. And that's not her fault, right? Um, but unboxing those things and finding out the root of it, like the reason my daughter won't wear her hair up is because a kid told her she has monkey ears. Like when you figure out why, then you can kind of work out, is it really true, right? Mm-hmm. Can you really not wear your hair up? Do you really, is it, is it really true that you really look like a monkey, you know? Totally. And just like, just like you, you know, you can, thinking losing 15 pounds will protect you um, that's, that's like Nat said, like, that's definitely not a thing showing up as is and being willing to support yourself in the insecurity when those emotions come up and we, we practice, you know, those mindfulness and process that emotion and support ourselves in it. That is where the confidence comes from because, you know, you, because you know, when those negative emotions hit, you're not going to abandon yourself. Right. And that, that's, that's the wound when Thelma, when Aunt Thelma says those things and we, and we agree with her and we abandon how we feel and we double down on perfectionism and fixing and all and all of those things as a way to try to protect ourselves when really you have everything you need to to be safe and connected um if you if you're willing to open yourself up to what those what those wounds and those negative beliefs might be but um as hard as it is it's not any harder than the way that women do it 
Um, you know, so it, the, they're already doing it, you know, already living in kind of uh, fear and judgment of, of themselves and honestly, probably a lot of other people as well. Right. And it comes full circle. It's like from you believing that what Aunt Thelma says is true to you believing that what the people on Instagram are doing are right is right and is better. And you're comparing yourself. It's all the same things. Like you're, you're reducing the fact that your, your opinion about yourself matters and that you are valuable to yourself and what you care about is important. Like what I fill my feed with is my business. What I think about myself is not Aunt Thelma's business. It's like when we put it outside ourselves, just like the, I'll get the approval of others when I lose 15 pounds. It's no different than letting Aunt Thelma's words be true. And so-and-so Emmy fit on whatever, you know, her way of doing things in her life and how great it is be true. It's like, it no longer is about you, which is the problem. Totally. And if like, if knowing Aunt Thelma's context would make her comments make sense, don't you think you understanding your context would make you make sense as well? Right. So what, what is your story and getting clear on that and really getting like, like Brene Brown says, like knowing it and owning it. I mean, that's, that's where all your shame, resilience and inner strength is going to come from. I love that. So it's, I mean, yeah, it's like a heavy, heavy, heavy conversation, but I think it's one that needs to be had because a lot of women and men as well, but I know we work primarily with women come into the conversation thinking like, oh, well, what you think of me matters far more than what I think of myself because we've been conditioned to, you know, keep ourselves small and our voices quiet because other people matter, you know, way more than what we feel about ourselves, which is just not the truth, but it's so hard to work through breaking that story down hard, but worth it. Oh, oh brilliant. Perfectly said. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, Heidi, I want you both to share where listeners can find you online. I know you have a podcast, your Instagram page is fantastic. So how can folks connect with you? Yeah. So we're on Instagram at butter your macros and on TikTok and Twitter light um, at <laughs> What's Up Butters. We have a podcast called The Butter Dish that you can find on wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple. We have a website, www.butteryourmacros.com that has some fun freebies and information about us and our programs and the work that we do. And I think, I think, you, I think you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both so much for sharing your expertise, sharing your wisdom. I know this is going to be a really powerful conversation for folks to listen to, especially heading into the busy holiday season. And I really just value your time. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. us. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.